CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody, welcome into another edition of Your Money and Your Life. Thanks for tuning into our podcast with Don Cash, as always. What's going on, Don, my friend? How are you? Mark, doing well. Thanks. Just a Getting into uh, mid-late fall, looking out the window here, it's starting to snow, which is kind of depressing here in November. Getting snow on the ground already, but uh, hopefully it's not a harbinger of of a a long, cold winter. How about you? I'm doing all right. Now, you know, the old Farmer's Almanac says that it's going to be a really brutal winter, actually. It says uh, they're calling for like seven major snowstorms and all that stuff. So not to uh, rain on the parade there or snow on the parade. But uh, yeah, that's on the horizon. But this is our Thanksgiving show, Don. So happy Thanksgiving to you. Same to you, my friend. What's going on in your family for Thanksgiving? I got the family, got the daughter coming home from the Navy Yard. Uh, she's uh, in school studying there in the at Navy, and she's got a couple of sailors coming with her who can't go home for the Thanksgiving holiday. So we're going to entertain wow. a couple of extra sailors at the house and uh, mm-hmm. feed the ladies. So it's going to be going to be good. Good, good. Sounds good. We have the whole family here, which is an annual Thanksgiving tradition. Lots of food, lots of uh, chit-chat and hanging out, family mm-hmm. time, football. Yep. So always a day we look forward to. That's right. Exactly. Well, we hope everybody listening to our show uh, that checks us out, uh, A, thank you for listening to our podcast and subscribing to us. And B, we hope that you have a uh, happy holiday. Now, we know we're about a week early for our holiday podcast for Thanksgiving. We'll be back after the Thanksgiving break. We, we do these about every couple of weeks. So we'll be back again uh, the first week or so of December. But for now, we're going to go ahead and turn our attention to our headlines here. Here in just a second. But before we do, let me remind you, go to Don's website if you have not done so, donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. And while you're there, subscribe to the podcast up on the menu page there at the upper right. You click on that, you'll see it drop down, you'll see podcast, and you click on that, and there's ways to subscribe, there's ways to share it. Uh, you can check out past episodes, future episodes, all that good kind of stuff. So we certainly would appreciate you doing that. All right, with that said, let's get into it. And our first, uh, well, our headline really I wanted to talk to you about is the Social Security Administration, Don. They announced that retirees will be getting a 1.6% COLA adjustment on their monthly benefits in 2020. Now, that's real money to most people, perhaps an extra $500 to $1,000 per year. So that got me thinking about something I read in the Washington Post. It stated that a poll of young people thought they would be more likely to see an alien from outer space than collect on Social Security. Now, that might sound crazy to us, but uh, what are the most common misunderstandings surrounding some Social Security, and what's your thoughts on this? You know, Mark, I've seen something along those lines. I think even Bill Clinton mentioned that one time in the <laughs> speech about the aliens from outer space <laughs> rather than younger people seeing Social Security. But, you know, I, when I, we were young, younger, there's always been talks about Social Security, right. not money and being underfunded, which it has been for some time. But, you know, I've never seen an alien. I've seen plenty of Social Security statements in my life, plenty of deposits into banks for Social Security. But I, I think the most common misunderstanding that I see, I would say, I would break it down to the five top Social Security misunderstandings. Okay. One, Social Security is going broke and will not be there for me. That's probably the number one that I hear. And the other is start your Social Security as early as possible. Take it as early as possible because we never know what's going to be there, right? Right, right. Uh, the other is delay your Social Security as long as possible. <laughs> is That's the best strategy. The opposite side, uh, yep. 
the other one is uh, I've heard this before. The Social Security Administration they can help you choose the best claiming strategy for yourself. And and the other one, which I don't hear as much anymore, is you don't have to pay taxes on your Social Security benefits. So here's my answer to those five. Okay. The answer is no, maybe, maybe, no, maybe. <laughs> okay, so no, it's probably not going to. Yeah, right. Uh, we do hear that a lot, that it's going broke. And I, I think there's going to be changes to it, but probably not going broke. Right. And just an overview uh, on Social Security. Uh, the program started way back in 1935 by FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, during his first term. And uh, by the way, I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, last week, chaperoning a class trip for my son's class. And we got to see the FDR Memorial, which is pretty cool. It's right by the Lincoln Memorial nice. over there in uh off of the mall in Washington. So this the Social Security goes back as long as FDR. It was part of uh, the New Deal in his first term. And the original Social Security age, the retirement age, was 65. So not too different than it is now. No, not really. Two basic benefits were uh, income and retirement as well as disability benefit. So it was really, you know, think about it, very controversial when this program was proposed back then. Uh, there was a, a question back then that it would reduce the workforce because unemployment was already high enough back then. Job, certain job categories were not covered. So teachers and maids and Firemen weren't covered. It was accused of being socialistic, and it was even uh, challenged as being unconstitutional. Wow. It was a big issue back then. But um, even today, not everyone's covered. A lot of people don't realize that. You need to work and pay into the Social Security system for at least 10 years, or they define it as 40 eligible quarters, or be married to someone who, who has done that to be covered. So, Going back to that time in 1935, what do you think the life expectancy was, Mark, at birth in 1935? Let's see. My dad was born in 32, and I would say life expectancy for, uh, I don't know, 67, 68, somewhere That's in there? exactly right. You hit it right on the nail on the head. I remember getting my dad a birthday card, and he was born in 1936, so okay. right around that time. Right. And it has all kinds of facts and figures from the year you were born. And it said your life expectancy in 1936 was 67 years old. So okay. it doesn't take a lot of math to figure out, well, if your Social Security uh, is a, a benefit you're collecting at 65 and your life expectancy is 67, they sure. weren't really counting on as many people yeah. <laughs> collecting as we have right now. So when the program started, there were 159 workers, Mark, for every beneficiary. Think about that. And by 1960, it was down to five to one and due to so many people being eligible at that point to collect. And over the past 50 years or so, since around 1970, the ratio of the workers to beneficiaries has been about three to one. So it's three people working in the workforce for every one person collecting. And wow. recently it dropped to under three to one. So that's really, you know, therein lies part of the problem. There's less money going into the system, more money coming out. So unless there are changes by the time we reach the year 2033 or some say 2035, there's only going to be enough money to pay about 75% of the benefits. And you could see these figures uh, by getting your social security statement either online or depending upon your age, they'll mail it to you and there'll be a whole narrative, like a whole description 
explaining the solvency of the program. And also, which is pretty cool, on page three, I believe, of the statement, your social security statement, it will show you all of your earnings for your entire history in the workforce. So it's pretty cool to see. It's also good to check out to make sure uh, you don't see any errors in there. Uh, so currently, how it works is when you're working, when a worker is paid, he or she gets a deduction on their payroll, their paycheck, for something called FICA, F-I-C-A, FICA taxes. It stands for the Federal Insurance Contribution Act. We know government loves acronyms, right, Mark? Yeah, that's just a fancy term, right? Yep, fancy name for Social Security. That's all it is. So if you see FICA, that's what that is. So you pay in 6.2% of your salary up to an income of about $133,000, and then you don't have to pay anymore into Social Security. So if someone's earning more than that, they don't contribute any longer into Social Security from their paycheck. And besides your contribution of the 6.2%, your employer matches that. So really, there's about 12.4% of the payroll going into Social Security. Wow, yeah. Well, it seems like that's a way right there they could add to it, you know, by raising that from 132. There's so many people out there that might make more than that that can contribute, and that's I'm sure that's... Is that part of the means testing I've heard about? It's not part of the means oh, okay. testing. We'll get into that in a moment. Oh, there's, okay. there's a few different things they're looking at changing. One of them is means testing. One of them is raising that Social Security cap. Gotcha. But besides the Social Security cap, there's also a Medicare tax of 1.45%. You'll see that on your statement as well. There's no cap on that, by the way. So if someone is earning a lot of money, they're earning two or three or $500,000, they're paying that 1.45% Medicare tax. Gotcha. And the employer also matches that tax. In addition, if you're what they call a high income earner, uh, more than two hundred thousand dollars, or two hundred fifty thousand, if you're married or single. There's another excess Medicare tax of just a little less than one percent. So that's the money going in to Medicare and how it works and how it's funded. Now, when you're collecting in retirement, and these are basic facts. And Mark, you'd be surprised how many people I speak with. They come to my office or they speak with me when they're 58, 59, 60 years old, and they're, they still don't know how Social Security works. And often, as I mentioned, they're in their 50s or even early 60s. So here's how it works when you're collecting in retirement. The benefits that you receive on your Social Security check is based on your highest 35 years of earnings and contributions. So that's where you can double check that on the statement. Anytime between the ages of 62, that's the earliest, and 70, possibly as early as 60 if someone is widowed, but with caveats, the earlier you collect, the lower the benefit. The longer you wait to collect, the higher the benefit. So the earliest age, other than the widow, is age 62. However, Mark, there's an earnings test if someone decides to collect that early. So if you earn over $17,000 or so in a year, you lose part of your benefit. 
till you retire or reach your full retirement age. That's why few people really who are working full-time collect at age 62. So that earnings test, if you will, is from age 62 to whatever your full retirement age. So Mark, the full retirement age, they call it FRA in social security lingo, is age 66. If someone's born between 1943 and 1954, so the first of the baby boomer generation, basically. And if someone's born between 1954 and 1960, their full retirement age is 66 and a few months. If they're born after 1960 or later, their full retirement age is 67. So the reason for the full retirement age now in the current law is that there's no what they call earnings penalty after you reach that full retirement age. So you can, in effect, receive your full social security benefit and still work, and there's no earnings test. So the longest you can wait to collect on your social security benefit is age 70. And the reason that is some people do wait is the longer you wait, the more you maximize the benefit. So each year you wait for your benefit between whatever your full retirement age is and age 70, there's an 8% increase in the benefit. So it can be pretty substantial to wait till age 70. And on top of that, there's also what they call a COLA or cost of living increase each year based on the inflation rate. So for 2020, as we mentioned, that will be 1.6% as an increase for the year uh, 2020. Historically, it's been closer to 3%, but we've been in a, a very low inflationary environment over the past few years. So Mark, I bet you didn't know this fact. The COLA started in 1972, actually. So from 1935 to 1972, there was no COLA. So this was the beginning of the higher inflation rate period. And at that point in 1972, Congress passed a 20%, get this, 20% across the board benefit increase just a few months before Election Day. So needless to say, that was pretty popular. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I imagine that was a very happy move. Uh, yeah, I think for both parties, it was uh, what they call a bipartisan support for that, even though there was a, a very partisan uh, president at that point. So when we speak with clients and develop a plan, we have software programs and reports that we create for clients that show various strategies to maximize uh, their benefits given their personal circumstances. And there are some little-known strategies for married couples still to maximize benefits that we do review. I've worked with many clients over the years that have received benefits that they worked for and they didn't even know existed. So to answer one of your questions, no, the Social Security Administration will not help you choose the best strategy for you. We help the clients with those issues. And then we arm them with the proper information for their election. And for most people I meet, they do need to pay taxes on their benefits. So that's a question that does come up from time to time. There's an income formula for that. It's somewhat complicated. However, for many people, they don't realize that even if you have a pension, income from work, or an IRA, not 
all of the social security benefits are taxable. For most clients I work with, at least 15% of their social security benefits are tax-free. So Don, how has the current, I guess, program evolved over the years, aside from some of the things you've already shared, and really kind of bringing it back to that age-old question, is it going broke? Well, the program certainly has evolved substantially over the years. It includes now spousal benefits, uh, family benefits for young kids, and divorce spouse benefits, you know, broader benefits for disability, and there's also a small a death benefit. And there also is a trust fund for Social Security where they try to segregate the funds into an area where there's going to be enough to pay out over time. Again, this is just an overview. There's much more to Social Security than even we just reviewed. But back to the original question, is it going broke? Uh, I would say no. But as I mentioned, according to the trustees report, only 75% of the benefits will be paid after the year 2023 unless some changes are made. So here are the top five that seem to be most likely. One would be increasing the tax rate from 6.2% to something like 7.2% gradually over time. It seems reasonable, and it's actually a popular suggestion in terms of uh, garnering approval from the public. The second would be to eliminate or increase what they call the payroll cap. Uh, now that's $132,000 and change, and it goes up each year. So I mentioned anyone who earns more than that doesn't pay into Social Security. If it was eliminated, it would create more income for the program, but a giant it would be a giant tax increase on small business owners. Uh, there's also a talk of a window with no tax after the cap, and then the tax kicks in after some higher income. There could be a lower cost of living adjustment. That would be point number three or use a different, what they call CPI measure. I think this is quite likely that there'll be a change in the cost of living adjustment that would have a substantial impact on the program. Certainly number four would be raising the retirement age past 67. I think this is also very likely. As we mentioned in the past, the required minimum distribution age, as well as that social security maximum age is 70. Uh, So that's an age being discussed. And five, maybe means testing the program. So if someone has more income in retirement, they would have a reduced social security. I don't know if that's as likely because uh, it really changes the essence of the program into more of a, of a welfare program. Well, certainly a lot of really good information here when it comes to some of these misunderstandings about Social Security that Don has shared with us here on the podcast. Uh, we're going to put some links uh, into the show notes here for you to check out uh, SSA website, uh, articles from the U.S. News and World Report, uh, and some various things you guys can check out as well. So don't forget to take a look at that, and you can do so at DonaldCash.com. That's DonaldCash.com. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Uh, give us a, a like or a thumbs up or whatever the app happens to use, whether it's on Apple or Spotify or Google. And uh, of course, we would always appreciate it. And if you have questions before you take any action, always check with a qualified professional like Don Cash. He's a CPA and a CFP at Donald W. Cash and Associates. And you can call him at 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183. And I think that's going to do it for this week, Don. But real fast, I'm going to hit you with a fun little getting to know you, uh, as we usually do here on the show. Um, You mentioned on the last episode, you talked about some home improvement shows you've been watching and renovations to your own house. Uh, Any any changes, anything going on? 
Oh, Mark, boy. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, we decided uh, earlier in this year, just do some renovations in the house, putting in new flooring, hardwood floors downstairs in the house. And, nice. Uh, new railings, new steps, carpeting, uh, just to bring the house up to speed. And the house is about 20 years old. I never realized, Mark, how much work this would be. <laughs> oh, boy. And so many choices from the, the species of the wood to the color tone of the wood and whether it would be natural wood, a solid hardwood, <laughs> laminate wood. And, and there's something called engineered wood, Mark. The choices, it seemed endless. So by the time we got around to making all the choices, and by the way, I'm not sure if you knew this, but there are hardwood installers and there are artisans that specialize in railings and steps, which are two separate professions, which of course you have to coordinate right, between the two right. and didn't realize and, and when we were getting the steps installed and, and staying that, hmm, there's no way to get upstairs during that period, Mark. So uh, <laughs> caused a little bit of tension in the house, but uh, it's just about done now and uh, it looks great. Well, that's and good. One thing I didn't uh, realize apparently was not factored into the quote when they change the floors and the railings and the stairs uh, they they put in new molding you know what that is a floor molding around the, yep. the perimeter of the floor yep uh apparently they don't paint so ah. <laughs> that was a another person we had to bring in and a little bit of an extra charge but it's just about done they're they have a, one or two things to take care of not the least of which mark is a gigantic dumpster yeah full of in stuff in front of my home i'm yep. not sure if you've ever gone through this but uh it's large and ugly, and I'm frankly tired of looking at it. So <laughs> I'll be happy when that's gone. But things are going well, and uh, it's just about done. I would say uh, if I have any advice to uh, friends, family, clients looking into this, do your homework, cross your T's, dot your I's, which I thought I did. There's a couple of loose ends there, but I think everyone, everything on the whole uh, went well, and I'm looking forward to you know, having it all uh, there and ready for the holidays. Yeah, well, as they always say, when it comes to construction on your house, it usually takes twice as long and costs twice as much. So, uh, <laughs> Not quite twice as much, but more for sure. Yeah, that's the old adage. Well, there you go, folks. Well, that's our show this week on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. I'm going to say goodbye for us this time, and uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the podcast. Again, don't forget to subscribe, and that way you can get new episodes as well as check out past episodes. This has been Your Money and Your Life for Don Cash. I'm Mark, and we'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.